0: Good morning, my fellow Apple freaks, enthusiasts, and pundits. It's me, your host, Bram Shank, and I'm still buzzing from all this Apple event madness. Get ready to unwrap the tech of today with us as we break down the future of AirPods, Apple Silicon, and more. Today, I'm joined by the wildly talented and strongly opinionated Will Sigmund. Will, what's going on with you today? How are you feeling?
1: Hey, dude. I'm doing great. Uh, What category do I fall under in that intro? I
0: I would say enthusiast. Expert. Okay. Expert. There you go. Expert.
1: I like it. Expert was my title when I worked at the Apple Store. So,
0: A creative expert?
1: Mm -mm, I wasn't a creative. Those are two different positions.
0: So when you worked at the Apple Store, you were the guy, the the, the genius. Why didn't they just call you the genius?
1: Because that was a different position. <laughs> you literally just named the three main positions uh, that we had back in the day genius, creative, and expert. Expert was a uh, person at the front of the store who did. Now they
0: have creative pros, right?
1: I think so. I don't keep up with it as much because I just don't have that many uh, friends that work in retail anymore. So.
0: Well. Well, Apple has just seeded, as we speak, Apple has just seeded the second beta of iOS and iPadOS 14.6 to developers. Any word on what's new yet, Will?
1: Not yet, but I have, uh, and I think I told you about this app, Pager. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I really enjoy following the subreddit iOS beta. And this Pager app is an app that lets you kind of monitor subreddits like that. Yeah. And so uh, I did just see an alert come through, just the simple fact that it was out. But as we record, if anything pops up, I'll be sure and mention it. Um, But right now, it doesn't look like anything's crazy different.
0: Well, and you can follow along on Appleosophy.com as well and stay up to date on the latest news regarding Apple's betas. That's iOS and iPadOS 14.6 beta 2. I'm stoked. I I hope there's some new features.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit of an underwhelming point update. But, I mean, then again, it's the sixth iteration, and we've only entered that territory one other time.
0: Interesting story on the AirPods front, Will. AirPods demand is reportedly falling due to increased competition. So Apple has some excess AirPods inventory on its hands, and production has reportedly been cut by 25 to 35% in 2021. Now, it's facing competition from products like Samsung Galaxy Budge, which start at a much lower 129 and Xiaomi Budge, which range from $19 to $37 on Amazon. These products are undercutting AirPods, and they offer much of the same functionality. Uh, what are your impressions here? I mean, you're you're a headphone enthusiast, Will.
1: I am, and I did recently write an article about some non-AirPods or Apple-osophy, uh the website, And I gave my opinions and my thoughts on the Master & Dynamic MW08s, which are definitely superb wireless buds. Uh, I don't have, when it comes to wireless earbuds, I don't necessarily have a loyalty to Apple per se. I will say that they're definitely best in class with the over-ears, with the AirPods Max, but... The, the AirPods, uh, buds themselves, either the, the first, second gen of the first model type and then the AirPods Pro, uh, they have never really been super duper comfortable in my ears. I don't know if it has to do with the stem design or whatever, but anyway, since that, uh, since the, 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 the kicker from those being launched, I just, I didn't didn't even own a pair of the uh, original AirPods. I only even started to consider it with the AirPods Pro. But look, these days you see AirPods everywhere. And I actually would still say out and about, this is the kind of thing that I do notice, rarely do I see somebody with some kind of earbud in that is not an AirPod or an AirPod Pro. Uh, So, I mean, I get it because they're they're everywhere mm-hmm. and so I would imagine that they do have an excess so they probably thought they would just keep pumping them but a lot of these developments where they're the ones you mentioned where they're kind of uh, they're coming and they're really competing in that market those have really only come out in like the last six months or so the decent yeah. ones so uh, you know I I think it may be yet to be seen maybe after this holiday season. Where you see a little bit more diversification of that, mm-hmm. and currently, I have even ditched the MWO eights for my uh, more recent uh, Bowers Bow- Bowers and Wilkins uh, PI sevens.
0: Yeah, you've and, really been expanding your headphone arsenal, and, and you're more on the the luxury wireless headphone side of things, right? Wouldn't that be considered?
1: I w- I would consider that. Yeah, I just I enjoy at least testing all the different ones and. It's funny for me I'm not I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an audiophile and there's also the fact that I have high frequency hearing loss mm-hmm. and so I, it's I almost wonder if the fact that I wear hearing aids all the time makes me more prone to be interested in nicer buds uh, particularly Sounds I will say this really for sure to you, yeah yeah it, there's the transparency mode on these things because of my hearing loss the mw 08s they do a really not great job with pass through and so um that is something where the, the 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 pi 7s have shined more through but i will still say airpods they get the uh they get the trophy both the pros and the maxes for being the best transparency mode so you know, you got to give and take a little bit here and there. And it just, uh, I think, as more come on the market, you'll see different people be more exposed and more aware. Well,
0: I mean, and I think the thing, the thing that stands out to me is the, the the value proposition for AirPods, whether you go with the Pro model or not, has always been unparalleled convenience in Apple's ecosystem, meaning they effortlessly connect. You know, I mean, you don't have to push a button. You don't have to worry about pairing. Next to your iCloud account and as you move between devices, iPad, Mac, iPhone, whatever it may be, um, you're able to do that seamlessly. You don't even have to think about it um, with AirPods. And, and the thing is, how, how important is that to people when there's much cheaper alternatives that offer the same functionality from a sound perspective and may even fit better in their ear um, because they're not resting in there, they actually have suction. Things like that. So you're really seeing a, a diversification, like you mentioned, of wireless headphones at different price points.
1: Yeah. I, and honestly, that convenience factor is something that I heavily weigh. And I, another thing I will say, just in compared uh, in comparison to the MW08s with the PI7 that I'm using now, I will say that the convenience, while not on the AirPods level where it's switching automatically, is better because, and, and this might be fixed with the firmware update, but the the PI sevens they allow you to uh, initiate connection from the device you're using mm-hmm. as opposed uh, to from the headphones. Mm-hmm. So with the MWO eights, every time I want to switch devices, which is for me, it's often oh, um, so even, even at yeah. nighttime.
0: So even competitors are finding ways to mitigate uh, the the pairing complications. And in, in some very unique ways. You know, it's interesting. I feel like people have different workflows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy as an Apple fan to feel like, well, why wouldn't everybody buy AirPods? But not everybody has all Apple products. People jump from an iPad to a PC mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever whatever that may be, their workflow. Lots of people will go to the gym with their iPhone and use a certain pair of, you know, active headphones with their iPhone while they're working out, and then they'll come back home, they'll put on a pair of wired. Headphones while they're at their PC or their laptop, or desktop, whatever, whatever it is. People have different workflows, and I think we need to take that into account. The pairing thing isn't such a nuisance if you're always, if you're pretty much always using the same pair of headphones on the same device every mm-hmm. time uh, you hop into your your respective workflow. Now, mm-hmm. well, I, I want to zero in on another product that begins with the Air nomenclature. That's Air Tags. You think we would stop talking about these already? I was looking forward to the day that they were finally released. That way we can cover it, and then I can stop talking about these because I'm a a little winded Uh regarding AirTags. They're finally here. We've been talking about them for two years, legitimately two years. To rehash this again, back in April of 2020, about a year ago, Paraj Dutta of Appleosophy spotted in an Apple support video reference to AirTags. It was an Apple support video on YouTube, uh, depicting some Find My functionality. He quickly pauses the video and realizes, hey, AirTags are mentioned in the background, in this settings uh, verbiage. So he posts that, writes it up. Well, get this, Will. People are getting AirTags into their hands today. It's April 30th. People around the world are getting AirTags, Tags accessories. Mm-hmm. Take a look at the bottom of the box. It has copyright Apple 2019 and
1: 2020. Does it? I didn't even It
0: does. That. Exactly. And so these things have been seen on the shelves for two years, Will. Wow. Can you imagine
1: it? I'm very curious to see if the same is true for the, quote, new Apple TV 4K. Because that's also been rumored since fall of 2019.
0: Yes. We had reports from John Prosser saying, hey, you know, this, this Apple TV 4K, this new generation has been seen on shelves. Why won't Apple release it? I mean, um, interesting stuff. So, do you think this is an antitrust thing or what do you think will? I mean, why would they delay this product so much?
1: I think um, it could be a matter of software catching up to the hardware and getting to a place where they have to they have to consider a lot of security things for end users and uh, concerns that the everyday person will bring up. Uh, I think it's akin to Apple Pay. I can't tell you how many times I have actually either tried to or educated some cashier or person near me in line or whatever about how Apple Pay is actually more secure than not because it seems the perception is, Oh, you're, you're not even swiping a card, right? And, and then I explain how it works and they're like, Oh, okay. So with air tags, it's like the same thing. It, if people don't necessarily understand how it works to the extent that, to the full extent, and maybe only like fifty percent, and that obviously the reason that they'd be interested in them is the fact that they track stuff, right? So they're going to know at least that part when they decide to either get them or to to look into them. But the the question will be, okay, well, how do I? Uh, prevent somebody from keeping track of me, or yes. something that I somebody I don't want to. And so, I know that there are safeguards in place with the Find My app, and also, um, yeah, you know, maybe even in the hardware a little bit too. Yes, but they may have had to think through some of those questions that you and I not might not necessarily think about as more nerdies uh and think about the end user and be able to explain everything and have a software solution to to um to kind of mirror that
0: yeah that, that makes sense from an R&D perspective um th- th- there's lots of intricacies um, i mean especially when you build software with privacy in mind that that we as you know normies so to speak don't consider um we we went through this back when apple released mask id that's what we were dubbing it, the ability to um, unlock your iPhone while wearing a mask using your Apple Watch. I mean, we we can't even begin to fathom how much Apple had to put into this to make sure that it was secure. So definitely from an R&D perspective, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, the one thing that confuses me on this, and, and, and you may feel the same way, is Apple usually constructs its its products and releases things hardware with a vision in mind a grand vision and it doesn't seem like that vision is cohesive with at least with the find my network in my opinion because you have the iphone 11 which was released back in 2019 it had the ultra wide band chip for this precision location precision finding feature that we're we're seeing now with air tags it had that built in But other than some weird airdrop precision-finding features... um, Which don't work. Which don't really work that well. um, The ultra-wideband chip in this this phone wasn't being put to use. And everybody uh, theorized that the reason why this was being added in there was because Apple wanted to release an item tracker. We dubbed it AirTags. It's finally here. But the deal is, back in 2019, Apple starts putting the U1 chip in... Their iPhones. They put in iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro models. So these are already built in. Now they release subsequent products after that: MacBooks, iPads, iPhone SE, all these different products that don't have an ultra wideband chip in them. So they're they're not really too focused on building an infrastructure around ultra wideband technology, which enables that precision finding uh, interface. So. So what do you what do you think's going on there, Will?
1: Uh, I think it's just a simple matter of it might not have the exact same technology, but the experience is the same with like Wi Fi, right? So we've had Find My Mac for a long time. And so and that's capable because Wi Fi is gonna have different uh features and even allow for something the AirPods might not necessarily allow for. So I think it's simply a matter of different technology and really not having a, a need for adding an ultra wideband band chip into the devices that you mentioned
0: because yeah that's a good point will because if you think about it products like a, a macbook or an ipad for instance i mean you could simply play play the sound from the find my app and find it pretty easily the speakers are you know are loud enough that you could just do that and um Pinpointing a device using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi antennas has has become uh, pretty pretty uh, reliable, actually.
1: Yeah, and and uh, first-gen AirPods—they don't have the ultra-wideband chip, right?
0: No, they don't. And that no no you? generation of AirPods has the ultra yeah.
1: band chip, it, unless
0: it's it, hidden in there, and then they're going to hop on WWDC stage this year and tell us, okay. "Guess what? Everything has you one in it. We kept um, a secret." But you Your can, AirPods have been living a double life,
1: but you can still find them on the Find My app, right? Yes, so you can. There, you can there's ping other them ways
0: of doing with it. the sound. Yeah,
1: I think that the the benefit of AirTags is the uh, is the inexpense of them and the size of them. That couldn't really, I don't think, be achieved. Oh, and the battery life. I don't, all three of those things couldn't be achieved without the ultra-wideband chip. Other devices that don't have one, they recharge, or they have Wi-Fi, or they have Bluetooth. They have other ways of of doing the same thing. Um, And I was going to say, it reminds me of two things. Uh, You're mentioning of putting the ultra-wide chip in the 11 all the way back two years ago. Uh, You remember the radio FM transmitter that like I got activated on iPods 3 yes. or like crazy long time after they had come out and they're like surprise it reminded it reminded me of that but also um even the the PI7 that I was talking about uh this is this is kind of bizarre but uh my friend that I used to work at Apple with uh has done one of the only uh review videos on YouTube about them so this, that was just a coincidence, and he, hes really the only one I've actually seen. Uh, he works for Audio Advice, but he—he uh, he went and did like the most in-depth review that I've seen. But one of the things he noticed and mentioned is there's a big, like a big button in front of the case, like on the front of it, and there's it doesn't do anything right now. And Bowers and Wilkins—they uh, asked them for comment. And they said it's for uh, an, an upcoming potential feature.
0: That's interesting. So I wonder if it's some kind of precision location, precision finding feature.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know what it could, could have to offer. Um,
0: Apple's Apple strategy was interesting here because a week before the release, a week before the Apple event, uh, before they released air tags, they, they released these third party trackers with, uh, with, Partners like Chipolo, and I forget the name of the other one. Uh, the bike—it was an electric bike that you can Van Move. It was a bike called Van uh, that had Find My tracking built in. And these these don't ship with ultra-wideband; it's just Bluetooth LE, and that's what it uses mm. to pinpoint um, things. Interesting. After Air Tags were released, we saw Chipolo, um, who partnered with Apple in the beginning. Uh, kind of taking jabs at Apple about AirTags. They released a PR statement saying, hey, you should buy our product because ours actually comes with a key ring, a hole for the, your key ring, uh, whereas AirTags doesn't. And it's like, this is interesting because Apple was spotlighting your project, your, your product. Are you guys working together or not?
1: Yeah, we'll see.
0: Now, Will, you dropped something on my lap recently. It's a, it's a program called Mighty. And it's a fast Chromium browser that streams from the cloud. So their pitch here, their elevator pitch is, it is a browser that is quote, indistinguishable from Chrome, except faster because it is streamed from the cloud. So you're streaming the internet. It's indistinguishable from Chrome, but you're streaming the internet. It's 4K, 60 frames a second, works on those their supercomputers, takes no more than 500 megabytes of RAM, and less than thirty percent CPU, even with fifty plus tabs open. Now, this is really cool. I've signed up for the beta. You've signed up for the beta. Um, the one thing that that's making me nervous are is the idea of cloud computing at this scale, particularly with the internet. We use the internet for really personal things. We, you know, we we head over to our web browser to do things like our banking, uh, etc. You know. I mean, how do you feel about privacy concerns regarding this method of browsing, knowing that your information is going to be on some third-party computer?
1: Well, not just that. Like, you're using Chrome of all browsers, right? I know. So um, I would say definitely concerns about privacy. Uh, I shared it in my uh, friend chat, and there's a bunch of, you know, nerds in there I guess you could say and I pretty much got barraged with nothing but negativity about privacy concerns and (laughs) this that and the other and to me like the only reason I was really sharing it was because I thought it was an interesting engineering feat yes not necessarily that I either want or need to use it I just think it's really cool and it sets kind of a precedent for what we might be seeing in the future, which I do believe we are going to. I mean, imagine uh, if
0: Apple did something like this. Yeah. I a mean, company I, that you could trust.
1: Yeah. I believe that we're eventually headed to uh, your computer and your gaming system being in the cloud, running off servers with zero latency because fiber. Right. And um, we're getting to that point where it's, where it's, technically possible for some chunks of people um but i think eventually when it when things become even more widespread things being higher speed internet and fiber and all the things that have to be true like lower cost servers right those things all have to be true for this to be kind of a a feasible thing to even start and even then it might be something where you're paying an an ordinate amount of money in the beginning for being an early adopter, like monthly or whatever, and then eventually it comes down in price because everything does, right?
0: And it's so it's just an interesting engineering feat.
1: Yeah. I, I I I do believe this is a this is a very interesting, like tangible example of where we're headed. Yes. And uh it was even speculated I remember I'm looking at my PS five right now. It was even speculated three, four, five years ago. I think really before PS5, like, tangible proof, I guess, came out that they were making a physical device that that the PS4 would have been the last physical device that Sony ever made, right? So I think, like I said, I think we're heading to that. And I don't even know, uh, the PS5 and the Xbox... uh what is it, Series One or whatever it is? Series X? Oh, you yeah. might be the last physical consoles we see from game makers. And game consoles might be a lot of people's uh foray into this cloud computing, if you will.
0: I mean imagine I mean, having a your your gaming system plug yeah. in like a like a Chromecast does. That'd be interesting. It's like a little USB-C.
1: Not even USB. that. Not even that. You just log in. Like, imagine imagine going to work in a coffee shop.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, you forgot your computer, but your buddy has his, and you want to show him something. So all he has to do is log out. You log in, and it's literally your computer streaming, right, in real time. and. I mean, once again, there's a lot of privacy implications and things like that uh, that you have to kind of get over and, and work out and fix. But anyway, um, like I said, I did, I did make you aware and a couple other people aware of this just because I thought it was interesting. It's super duper infancy stage right now. They just got to a point where they could it like trickle, release it to like a few people. Mm-hmm. And got to the point where they can actually like say what it is. Um, and they've been working on it for like two, three years.
0: That's really phenomenal. Like you said, quite the engineering feat there as, so- as far as software engineering goes. Really interesting conversation. And like you said, it, it's it's almost a window into our future as far as cloud computing goes. This episode of Appalosophy is brought to you by Paperlike, the original matte screen protector for real creators and doers. Paperlike has transformed the way I design content using Apple Pencil and iPad Pro. Its precision textured finish gives me more nuanced control over Apple Pencil, and it enables me to work whenever and wherever I want with minimal distraction. Paperlike's unique texture allows me to work in near direct sunlight with minimal glare, while also serving to reduce the appearance of fingerprints on my screen. This product has made me fall in love with iPad all over again, all while breathing new life into my creative projects now the successor to m1 this m1 chip that we mean you cannot shut up about on the show here um apple is reportedly working on its successor the m2 m2 chip that's what they're dubbing it right now but if you take a look at the the reported specs it seems more of like an m1x mainly focusing on graphics now this the source here is Nikkei Asia or Nikai Asia. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. This is a brand new source; doesn't have a track record, not even on Apple Track. So it'll be interesting to see um, if if this source is correct in predicting. Um, they're suspecting that uh, TSMC has already begun manufacturing uh, the M2 chip, and it's expected to debut in a redesigned 14. 14- and or 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, This is the model where we're expecting the touch bar to be removed, the return of HDMI, an SD card slot, and a revised MagSafe port. Um, Will, are are you looking forward to this? Sure. Sure.
1: I mean, yeah. This is going to be, I think, unless the chip has some kind of like, crazy draw to it i think this will be something where uh it won't be exactly like my situation now where i'm flip-flopping from my my pro well really (laughs) i've had i've had an m1 mini and then i sold that because somebody really needed that Mm -hmm. specification and then uh in place of it i got a macbook pro yeah and then when the iPad Pros were announced with M1, I'm like, wait a minute. I really like the desktop slash iPad lifestyle, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm really missing anything by um, having a-, a portable machine. So I'm selling this MacBook Pro now, and I'm, uh, I did order a new iMac uh, just because I think it'll be better for my workflow. And Me there's too. some that, some things. That's exactly
0: the, the same path that I took. Is you know I really took things back to the drawing board, um, and asked myself you know is there really a need for a MacBook if you know I'm, I'm planning on investing in an iPad that has M1 in it? I can't see myself leaving the house and picking up a MacBook, especially when it doesn't even have cellular connectivity. Um, when that iPad has M1 in it, um, I've also invested in in the iMac. And, you know, the fact that we're already talking about uh, M2 and the fact that it's already began uh, production this month and that it's possibly shipping in July kind of makes me a little uneasy. I mean, I'm all for innovation, but I've just, I mean, invested, uh, invested a lot of money into M1. So it's kind of like, not that, not that all my hardware is going to be obsolete, but there's already something better. I mean, within, the, within just a few months.
1: It's a kind of a bummer, yeah. I guess, yeah, it is.
0: I mean, we're used to the annual update cycle with Apple, at least. I mean, it's 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 different. <laughs>
1: it is, you know. I think it might take a year or two to kind of like shake out what the release cycle really will be, mm-hmm. and it's like, how long were they working on the M one? We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Slash the M two. And, you know, it's kind of the same... It, it, this happens with a lot of, like, first-gen products. The first one comes out, you have no idea how long they worked on it. And then the second one comes out, not necessarily on any, any kind of cadence that set, that is setting precedence. And then, really, it's when the third one comes out that you really kind of get a better idea. There might be some things that, in one... Can't do that they want computers to be able to do, particularly the audience of a 16-inch MacBook Pro, you know, pros on the go.
0: Well, and and that's the thing—you really can't complain because the people that are waiting for these machines, that are waiting for a new redesigned, larger-screen uh, MacBook Pro, it's it's long overdue for them. So you can't really you can't really say, well, why are they releasing so much silicon? You know, when I've already invested in M1. There's people have different needs and different workflows and the need for this machine with a larger display with insane graphics performance. I mean, the demand has been there for quite a while. Um, Jason Cross over at Macworld, he's been speculating um, and he says that beating Intel's eight core i9 processor is a given with M2. Um, He expects double the high performance cores in M1. Uh, from 4 to 8 cores for a total of 12 CPU cores. Um, He says single-core workloads already in M1 are much faster than 8-core on the i9. He expects the GPU to double from 8 to 16 cores. And at at this point, you really have to consider bottlenecking when you're doubling the GPU. So he says they would need to raise the 128-bit memory bus to at least 256 bits. Um, We'll see some notable performance and battery life improvements. This is especially true uh, with the 16-inch MacBook. Now, it has the largest uh, battery that, that you're allowed to put in a laptop, at least when traveling at the airport. It's a 100-watt 100 100 watt hour lithium polymer battery. I don't know why that's such a tongue twister today. A 100-watt lithium polymer battery. I mean, just imagine with a battery this large, the kind of battery life that you that you can expect by having apple silicon in this machine it's going to be phenomenal we're going to see i mean days of battery life
1: yeah i mean it's funny to me like battery life is it really wasn't that important to me before the pandemic but it's really not important to me after the pandemic just simply because i I saturate myself with lots of Chargers and power supply options around, I'd say, like the main three places that I kind of uh, sit and use my electronics. The only time uh, on a regular basis that I am concerned about uh, battery is when we're sitting outside during the summertime. So it's about to come back up again. But uh, really, it's just not something that appeases me. So, I mean, great. That's great that that it's going to do that. Uh, But for me, like even when I'm traveling, I have like a surplus of power supply. Yeah. Well,
0: I think I think like with my phone and my Apple Watch, I don't want to be tied to a cord all the time.
1: Apple Watch, I can agree with you on.
0: Yeah, and my and especially with my Apple Watch, I'm working out a lot with it, and I don't want to. I don't want to have to. I mean, I don't want to do one workout for the day, and then my whole day's killed because I I use too much battery. Mm -hmm. So do you wear yours
1: uh, when you sleep?
0: Yes, I do. Mm-hmm.
1: So when do you charge yours?
0: I wake up in the morning and do the rapid charge.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's while, my,
0: while I, I brush I, my teeth and whatnot.
1: Right. I do. Um, I do it when I'm sitting at my desk here. Ever since I got the Vulcan uh, triple.
0: Yeah, charger I've done that. I have a desk charger, and uh, in the morning, in a very Tim Cook fashion, I wake up early and I read emails and respond mm-hmm. to them, and. I mean that takes me 15 20 minutes just to get through everything and so I'll charge my watch while I do that at my desk. Mm-hmm. The, the sleep tracking thing is really really cool, really convenient. I hope they add more information mm-hmm. um, with the subsequent update. I mean but I mean but not to get too off topic. Mm-hmm. Battery life it is really important for the masses. I mean it's it's it aside from the camera, it's the it's the top requested feature on on any phone any tablet is better battery life um that we they have tons of surveys on that i think that whole this whole need for better battery life every year um doesn't quite resonate the way it does with the masses like like it does with us um because we are nerds and we do have an arsenal built up we do have backup batteries and we travel with those and we are tied to our desks more often so it's not a big deal to top off a device Um, but you know, you really have to center yourself and realize there's lots of people that don't want to have to worry about charging. They want to just be able to get their work done and, and, you know, lift that lid knowing that they're going to have a few more hours to go.
1: I mean, yeah, (laughs) it is. You're right.
0: A man of many words, Will Sigmund, ladies and gentlemen.
1: All right. I told you what I thought about batteries.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving forward, Apple has quietly confirmed the actual launch dates for the 24-inch iMac M1 iPad Pro and the new Apple TV 4K. Now, I want to start this off. This metadata has since been removed by Apple, but Apple had a newsroom update on their PR page. It had some HTML metadata saying that these products are expected to release on May 21st. Now, the official quote says, quote, the all-new iMac, iPad Pro, Apple TV 4K, Purple iPhone 12, and iPhone 12 Mini, and AirTag arrive in stores and on doorsteps around the world May 21st, end quote. Now, this, this verbiage is incorrect in saying that AirTags and the Purple iPhone 12 Mini will be arriving on the same day, since now we know that they're already in customers' hands as of today, Friday, April 30th, and that is the correct launch date. So. Could this information be outdated? Maybe so. However, Will, me and Will were up at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard this morning to order our IMAX, and it looks like the date for those is going to be May 21st. Yep. So that 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 was actually that ended up being correct. Now we have another Siri leak on our hands. The folks over at Apple Insider figured out that if you ask Siri to find And your Apple TV remote for you, it'll actually turn around and say you don't have any Siri remotes enabled or connected on your iCloud account. So this suggests that the new Apple TV remotes might include an ultra wideband chip after all. Um, However, it could just be Bluetooth LE for pinpointing these. I wouldn't get too excited. Um, This is something I've been waiting for for quite a while, Will.
1: Yeah, I think that it's great. I personally don't I don't mean to sound like a contrarian, but uh, I don't really have an issue losing the old remote. Yeah. Um, But there was one time where I specifically remember a few months ago that it was lost for like a day or two. It was really bizarre because, and when you have three dogs like we do now, you never necessarily know where your stuff goes. And if it's going to be, uh, if it's going to uh, pop back up in full working order, uh, and or aesthetic and so we were looking and looking and looking and my wife got super frustrated looking and it was hilarious because I was she was like she was like looking everywhere like under the couch and stuff and I was just kind of standing there looking around for probably the fifth time and I looked to my right and it was like blending in with the rug on the just right there underneath the couch,
0: yeah. Um, I, I've heard a countless number of reviews on this serum just talking about how easy it is to lose because it's so small and so thin. I, I mean, I don't have issues with it. I mean, it, mainly it's just placement it's like, oh, I forgot I was at the counter with it, or I forgot I was at the coffee table with it. Um, it's not so much you know, losing it in between couch cushions and stuff like that, but when that does happen, um. Having find my onboard would would be wonderful.
1: I agree, and I'll be curious to see in what capacity hardware uh, that they use it, whether it be ultra wide. I doubt it's the ultra wide band chip, but
0: it's yeah. hidden in there. Your your Siri remote has been living a double life. Will
1: maybe maybe I, I saw a tweet, uh, and it was shared in my work Apple group on Slack, and it was. I'm like this guy has been waiting a week and a half to tweet this. So apparently he got his AirTag. Um and a couple of my coworkers already got theirs too by the way. I'm sitting here like mine could come any time now. Um but anyway, he getting he, excited. he got uh he got an uh an AirTag. He duct taped it to the back of a remote. He's like, <laughs> You know. No, my um
0: it was funny because there. last week on the show we had george elias on he said i because he has he travels with a lot of camera equipment um he's huge with with videography cinematography that all all that stuff and he told me he goes why would i need to buy one of these expensive straps i'm just going to duct tape duct tape it to everything i own these air tags onto my mics and cameras and cores and everything else because i'm constantly losing things he goes but true engineer just duct tapes
1: i'm trying to think of speaking of air tags one more time but Trying to think of like different places I'm gonna use it. I might put one in my camera bag. Like I got I got multiple. And so,
0: speaking of M1 enabled iPads with mini LED displays and Apple's revised Mac lineup with the 24-inch iMac and M1 notebooks, uh, Apple is seeing unprecedented demand for iPad and Mac, and that is met by substantial semiconductor shortages, aka limited supply of these devices. Apple is expecting Mac and iPad supply shortages in the second half of 2021. Tim Cook mentioned this at Apple's last earnings call just a few days ago. He said the supply of iPads, especially, especially the mini LED Pro models will suffer massive supply constraints. As a result, Apple will lose three to 4 billion in quarterly revenue. That's, that's quite, a, quite a number there, but I'm sure it's penny change for them.
1: Did this, I mean, did this earnings report sneak up on you like a couple, like for me and a couple of my friends mentioned, like, it seems like it just came out of nowhere.
0: It was very low key. Yeah. yeah.
1: Super um, strange, but.
0: The, the ongoing uh, global chip shortage is the greatest contributing factor here, and Apple's supply chain is affected greatly by the pandemic. Tim Cook had a quote here. He said, quote, we expect to be supply gated, not demand gated, end quote. Interesting stuff. So, if you want a new iPad, pick it up as quickly as you can. Me and Will have secured our iPad Pros. Are you are you pretty stoked for this iPad, Will?
1: I am. You know, it, it, I was telling uh, my wife last night. It's whenever I make purchases like this, I have to justify obviously the usage pattern that I have. Well, with me working from home now, you know, I use my my main computer which. You know, right now is my MacBook Pro. It will be my iMac. I use that as a dual personal and work computer. And so I'm using that all day. And then at nighttime, when I kind of want to transition my brain to more like a relaxed state, um, then I switch to my iPad. And you, I don't keep my iPad in my office or use it really for a lot of work type stuff. But I do use it for a lot of casual stuff and creative stuff. So I do enjoy editing photos on it. I do enjoy um, sometimes editing video on it as well. And I'm interested to see with the combination of M1 and iOS 15, what I will continue to expand my usage of it to be. It-
0: it's interesting because, like you said, you associate it more with uh, a casual computing device, mm-hmm. and I've always been the antithesis of that. I've always been an iPad first kind of guy, mm-hmm. and then I think the it
1: Mac, has to do with our uh, generations too.
0: It's yeah, it's a generational thing, and it, and it's also uh, people have different tools that they like to use for creative workflows. There's people that are really uh, used to things like Photoshop and Pixelmator Pro on a Mac. I'm used to using the pencil and doing things with my fingers, tangible things, tangible workflows, gestures on the iPad are sometimes faster for me than keyboard commands on a Mac because they come so naturally. So it's definitely a generational thing. And it's also, I find that a lot of people that, that lean creatively, especially on things like drawing um, their first device of choice is the iPad.
1: Yeah. I think it just depends on your needs and, I could use it more for more professional type things if I force myself to, but for me, mentally at least, I feel like I can do certain things faster on yep. a Mac. So
0: now there was a whole situation going on here, Will, with the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro and the last gen Magic Keyboard, the first generation Magic Keyboard with trackpad. Now.
1: This is the second well, thing in cl- after the, the Siri remote new information that has come out in the last week that seems different than when they first announced it.
0: Well, yeah, we had a, we had a, a supply chain person come out and, and make a quote and say, yeah, it doesn't look like your first-generation Magic Keyboard with trackpad is going to work on the newer models because the new iPad Pro, specifically the 12.9-inch model with mini, mini LED is about 0.5 millimeters thicker um, and so there, there was this this whole thing in the media about how you know Apple's gouging us you know what's going on why do we have to buy another $400 keyboard uh, it, it, it was just totally unsettling well now Apple has a week later made an official statement on this they said quote the first generation of magic keyboard model a 1998 is functionally compatible with the new iPad Pro 12.9-inch 5th generation with Liquid Retina XDR display. Due to the slightly thicker dimensions of the new iPad Pro, it's possible that the Magic Keyboard may not precisely fit when closed, especially when screen protectors are applying. It's possible.
1: <laughs> I know one thing. I'm saving my butt at 350, and I'm going to deal with that point five millimeter difference if 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 i was going from a 12 to a 12.9 in
0: in this case you're moving from an 11 inch to a 12.9 inch
1: i am yeah so not only am i having to change i'm also going for that new white color
0: interesting now i'm coming from a 2018 12.9 inch ipad pro i have the magic keyboard with trackpad i'm going to see if it fits I mean, I think the ambiguity here, I mean, they say that the the fact that they use the possible, the word possible, means it probably works. They're just trying to trying to make you uneasy about it. Like, well, what if it damages it? You know, trying to put things in your head so that you'll buy the new one. Of course. I don't know. This is just a weird comment, Will.
1: It's yeah,
0: possible mean, that it might fit. It's like, have you guys tested it internally or not? Just tell well, us.
1: The, wor- the worst case scenario is you get it, you test it yourself. And it doesn't work the way you either want it to or the way you thought it would. And you get a new one, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lot of money to get a new one, though. It's not penny change for these keyboards.
1: I know, but you also, you can, usually, you're a smart guy. You can sell your old one, most likely, for a decent turnaround. For a pretty Um, penny,
0: as the kids say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, I know not everybody likes to go through that rigmarole, so, of course... I'm not saying like it's all willy nilly easy, but I'm I'm just saying worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And then, There's options. Secondly, too, like if they had said this today instead of yesterday, I think there there would definitely be cause for uh, pitchforks and torches. Uh, because, well, could you imagine? And, yeah, so I'm <laughs> just glad that they were able to to mention it before well, orders went live.
0: All right, well before we wrap up the show, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Again, this episode is brought to you by Paperlight. To transform your Apple Pencil into a true writing instrument and your iPad into the best canvas you've ever used, get your Paperlight today at http://paper.me/appleosophy. Pick up yours today. Moving forward, Will. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of AppleOS Weekly. Thanks for unwrapping the tech of today with us.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm excited about our new stuff, and um, you know, perhaps uh, I can come back on and talk about it once we have our hands on it in a, in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting the devices in hand. It's it's really interesting because typically, uh, at least a week before pre-orders, we'd see reviews. Uh, up on YouTube, written reviews, articles online, and that's something we haven't seen. So we, we haven't really seen what these products will be like in the wild. What, what what we can expect. We're just I mean, me and you are buying these just off of Apple's marketing, these these new iMacs and iPad Pro. So it's it's it'll be interesting
1: I think they have a name for that. I think it's called Fanboys.
0: Oh, uh oh I thought I thought it's Sheeples. The sheeples mm-hmm. The apple sheeples.
1: I prefer (laughs) a (laughs) fanboy.
0: Well, well, where, where can the people find you on Twitter let them know about your podcast too.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at W S I G. And, uh, I do have my own podcast now. Well, I've had a couple in the past, but this is a new one. Um, and really I kind of interview people from all walks of life about different topics that, I'm interested in, and also whoever's joining me has a expertise in. Typically, and it's called a little perspective. You can find uh, that link on both those social media platforms as well at ALP underscore POD, and get links to wherever you need.
0: That's awesome, Will. Yeah, I love Will's podcast. It's it's a great breakaway. Uh, I'm always twenty four seven on technology and Apple. And so it's it's great to really break away from that and have some have some deep existential conversations and, and drop in drop in on those conversations. Will, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a blast. You can find me on Twitter over at Brahmshank. It's just my name. That's at B-R-A-H-M-S-H-A-N-K. Go ahead, say hi on Twitter. Send in your questions for the show. We'll answer them here on next week's episode thank you so much for unwrapping the tech of today with us and we'll see you guys next week